Welcome to Gay Homework. This is your host, Brick Olson, and this is my friend, Stu Smith. Hi, how are you doing, Brick? I'm so good. I'm good. so glad you're here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for the wine. Thank you for the dinner conversation. This oh, yeah. Exciting. We had dinner before this. We've had a few <laughs> glasses of wine, so this is sure to be an exciting episode. That's how these should be. <laughs> All right, so let's dive right in. Awesome. Stu, who are you going to be profiling today? Uh, I am profiling Mr. Harvey Fierce. Harvey Fierce, dude. He is one of my favorites. And, uh, you know, the reason he's one of my favorites is um, I stumbled upon uh, an old VHS that was in my uh, grandparents' collection, and they had done kind of the best of Matthew Broderick on one VHS. Remember those VHSs that were like eight hours long? Yes, of course. And so they had Ferris Bueller's Day Off on it, of course. And then right after it came up this movie called Torch Song Trilogy that I had never heard of, you know, in my gay little youth growing up in California. California. No one had told me about this. And the opening scene is this, uh, you know, man getting ready for a drag performance. Mm. And he's looking in his mirror and he's putting on his makeup as he's delivering this amazing monologue. And I just remember the feeling of being like, I don't know who this is or what this is, but I want a piece of that. I want yes. in on that kind of action. That's why I chose him. He was kind of my first, um, my first introduction into the world of gay, of drag, of it's okay to be quirky, it's okay to be an outsider. Yeah, and, and, and heightened, exciting performance. Yeah, and hi- exactly, exactly, well put. And, and, and the more I kind of uh, grew up as that youngster, you know, I found Torch Song Trilogy at my library, I started researching him, and I followed his career just kind of my whole life, and for some reason he feels like my very gay godfather. Oh my god. I'm sure that's a title that he has received from a lot of people, but I'm also sure. I'm sure that that's something he would really appreciate. Oh god, I hope so. I'm, I'm excited. So. so let's uh, let's dive into some of his past, actually. Sure, yeah. So absolutely. do you know anything about his upbringing at all? You know, I, I believe he was raised in Brooklyn, and um, he was raised to immigrant parents, from what I understand, and I think they were working class people. I don't think they were in the arts. Um, and then I don't think there was much of an early career because he was coming up kind of in the late 70s. There were there weren't a lot of roles for people in, it, it, that were gay, that were obviously gay. Yeah. He also has this kind of gravelly voice that's very unusual. It probably didn't suit a lot of parts that they were casting right then. Right. Um, you know, I, I don't have first-hand knowledge of what his dreams and expectations were for his career, but I can assume he was trying to get on Broadway, he was trying to get into theater, he was trying to get into the business. Right. And um, it must have been pretty difficult with, um, you know, being, uh, I guess for lack of a better term, sissy-fied, and having <laughs> this kind of gravelly voice, it's like, what what roles are out there? Yeah, where does And go? my favorite artists that I've come across that I've always loved so much are people um, who are oddballs, who kind of don't fit a mold, they don't fit a, a casting call, you know, sheet. Right. Um, they're the ones who are like, you know what, no one's going to get this, no one's going to write this, I have to write it myself. Yeah. And so that's exactly what he did. Um, you know, there's artists working today, like um, Amy Sedaris, who did the exact same thing. 
thing where they said, you know, I kind of don't fit into this mold. So she went on to write a fantastic series for herself called Strangers with Candy and built a career off of that. Oh, yes. And I kind of think Harvey was, you know, the, the 80s version of, like, the Amy Sedaris. He was. In a way. Yeah. Because, you know, he found, um, he found this kind of niche audience. He knew they were out there. The gay guys, the people who go to drag shows, you know, people yeah. in the 80s in New York right. who knew these people. And the other interesting part is Torchlong Trilogy, um, you know, he would win the Tony Award for Best Actor for it. He would also uh, win for Best Book, I believe. And he, uh, he really wrote something that was speaking to the times that was, people were getting very scared. 81, 82, 83, you know, there was this new thing they were calling gay cancer. They didn't know where it was coming from. And he was giving this voice, giving this face, introducing introducing our culture out there to um, to the mainstream and yeah. to you know the the elite who were who were going to Broadway who were attending these shows right and this is a time when um, there was a lot of sort of glossing over a lot of gay themes I think Absolutely. or there was it was folded in like Absolutely. there was sub there was subtext yeah and there's no subtext with Harvey Fierstein not at all it is all text he puts it right out there and um, you know, my one of my favorite quotes from the beginning of the show, the beginning of the monologue, mm. oh, I hope I don't get it wrong, it was, um, you know, my biggest problem has always been being young and beautiful. Uh, it's been my biggest problem because I've never been young and beautiful. <laughs> and he was introducing, he was Same. introducing in that sentence, you know, he's like, I'm not the guy hanging out of the bathhouse. Like, right. I'm not, you know, this beautiful Adonis that, that you know, you've you've come to know and love as your gay best friend. Right. I am this, you know, kind of quirky looking guy with a gravelly voice who dresses up in women's clothes and gets out on stage every night and puts on this amazing show that entertains everyone. Right. And that was kind of act one. And then what I loved so much was it gets into, and I'm also someone who wants to be loved. I'm also someone who wants to have a relationship. Yes. Um, and that relationship was played by Matthew Broderick yeah. uh, in the original stage show. Um, and then Act 3 goes into something that I think a lot of gay people were really, really scared to talk about was their relationship with their family. Mm. So his mother in the play is uh, the first acting role by Miss Estelle Getty oh. that you may know oh. as <laughs> one of our beloved Golden Girls. Yes. Um, and she came out and played the mother in the third act. and. I connected to each piece of of that show. The first act where it's like, you know, I'm a freak, I'm an outcast, I'm, and yet I'm here and I'm singing loud. Then you have the second piece of that show that's like, I just want to be loved like the rest of us. I just want to have this relationship, you know, I, I, I want to connect with someone else. And then you have the third piece, which is like, I still love my family and I still want them to be so supportive. Let's talk a little bit more about like what uh, Harvey did afterwards. Do you know anything I about- I do, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he wrote the book for Le Cage Yes. Um, which we all know was later made into the stunning Robin Williams and Nathan Lane film, The Birdcage. Yes. Um, so Harvey is credited with uh, the show that brought us one of our gay anthems that was I Am What I Am. It was later made into a pop single. I believe it was Gloria Gaynor, is that right? Yeah, she did, she, said, she did that song. 
And, you know, you can't you can't go to a gay pride parade these days without <laughs> hearing some sort of remix of Gloria Gaynor singing I Am I, What I Am. Yeah, I found myself just the other day, like, listening to that song <laughs> as I was walking through Midtown. And I was on yes. my way to a, a rehearsal for a really gay show that I was in. And I was just like, <laughs> yeah, I and understand this, and this is great. It's one of those numbers that no matter where you are, you just want to do a costume change. <laughs> just, you just want to, like, rip off a piece of your clothes and just prance through some feathers. Yeah, have some um, feathers, have some um, glitter, and that's exactly what it is. Yeah. You know, I, I love this glitter, I love this glamour, and that's I am who I am. Yeah, and he's so he's so unapologetic, and that's been that's yes. been a through line in his career. Absolutely, and that's something that you know I've been so thankful for, and, and tangentially, you know, yes. like I mean, even though like I always I've always appreciated his work, I've not been the biggest fan because I just haven't explored it that much. Um, but like those you know those things where you realize like oh he paved the way. Absolutely, and that's why you know I'm so glad we're profiling him because he's he's someone that has 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 laid so much groundwork. I mean, he's someone who really stuck his neck out there he for did. the community, yeah. not just for himself. And right. you can see that in his work, mm-hmm. where um, you know, of course, he's got to make a buck, and of course, he's he, you know he, he's doing what he loves to do. But he could have he could have written some fluffy musical about straight people, yeah. <laughs> and yet yeah, true. you know he wrote this fantastic play that really um, pushed our community forward. Yeah, um, and you know he would go on later. Uh, after La Cage Faux, he he became kind of this quintessential um, supporting uh, gay actor. He was always like the gay friend, like in Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. He was the one that did the hair and of did course. all the prosthetics, you know. And he um, he got several roles that way. Um, I never faulted him for that at all because you know I. I not everyone was ready for Torch Song Trilogy, mm-hmm. and definitely not everybody was ready for La Cage Faux, right. you know? And so he had that moment, and he still kind of got into the mainstream. He still pushed the envelope, even in roles that weren't leading roles. It was still putting us out there. And, you know, that was all we wanted to see at this time, because but by the time those shows were over and he was making films, like, AIDS was just huge. Like, it was everything that anybody would talk about. It's a very scary and, time. And it was so associated with our community. Right. And what I loved so much about what he was doing was he was saying, but we're not just AIDS. Like, we're also, you know, we're career people and we're, you know, we're still kind of funny and we're still doing all this stuff. Yeah. And, and I so appreciated that as I was coming of age because I was like, oh, thank God I still see your face out there, you know, yeah. because as someone who, you know, doesn't see that face on, you know, Will and Grace had not come around by this point. Yeah. You know, I wasn't seeing my face on TV. I wasn't seeing myself in the mainstream media, but I was seeing him and I remembered him. I yeah. remembered him from that video set, yeah. you know, and I remembered him from that reading of his play. I mean, he's hard to forget. He's, <laughs> that's true, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Um, so I always really, really appreciate that. And then um, by the time I got to college, I was about to move to New York, um, Hairspray the Musical came out. Mm. And this was a new Harvey. This was a Harvey who wasn't doing just um, just straight acting, you know, just straight plays. He was now a singer, and he was now out there performing and doing musical numbers and dancing and doing it in drag, you yeah. know. And this was pre-drag race. This was like yeah, there like, wasn't a, there weren't a lot of people doing drag in the mainstream. Really still, we had RuPaul. RuPaul was definitely a household name at this point. Mm-hmm. But Harvey was still out there, and he was still, you know, um, giving another face to it because that musical went on to perform at the Tony Awards and right, win and all especially those as someone who is not a certified drag queen right but somebody who is a fabulous and wonderful brilliant queer person yes 
who can speak to drag yes. and playing those roles and, and yes. engaging that way with the culture to help shape it. Right. And there was still a fearlessness in the performance. Oh, and absolutely. there was still this defiance, which yeah. I really appreciated because, you know, uh, Hairspray came along, we'd had Will and Grace, we'd won a few rights, we had our pride parades going, and it felt like we had a good momentum, mm-hmm. but there was still this one performer who was like, I've been there, I've seen it, I'm still out here doing my thing, and now I'm gonna push it even further. Yes. I am going to play a straight woman as a man in drag. Yeah. And I'm gonna get out there, and it's going to be the poppiest musical, it's going to be the biggest musical of the season, right. and it was kind of like, it, it, it was almost like a I'm still here moment. Yeah. And. Within I'm Still Here, it was like, we're still here. Yeah. And we're not done pushing. Totally. And that was just something that I, I loved so much about that performance, and it's something I've I've appreciated so much about his career is, is, you know, of course he's had personal gains, but it's always felt like he's brought us right along with him. The whole community that is, is just so sitting there with him. true. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, it's interesting. I've, I've had a couple of interviews with people, um... And we tried to, we actually tried to profile Anthony Perkins. Okay. Um, we, we Was that successful? Well, that's the thing. <laughs> we, we, I still have it in my queue to be edited because as we're listening to it, and even as my friend and I who were profiling him were discussing him, um, there was a lot of, I mean, you know, he's, he's wonderful, he's fantastic, he's a brilliant actor and just mm-hmm. so talented. Yeah, absolutely. But he was at a time uh, when it was really difficult uh, to be out and to yeah. you know and to be an, an out performer and an out artist and mm-hmm. a creator and um and it's so inspiring that we have somebody like Harvey Fierstein mm-hmm. to be uh who was brave enough to do it right was really brave enough to do it right and at, and, and at any cost he made it happen for himself absolutely and, the, and in turn made it happen for us right yeah. Absolutely. And that's the wonderful thing about your podcast is, you know, I think a lot of the young people today will know him from Hairspray. They'll know that he wrote the book to uh, Kinky Boots. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll, they'll know his new stuff. And, and I'm, I'm so happy that they do. But what, what I would encourage anyone who's really using this as their gay homework to do is go back and do the research. Yeah. Like, you know, he was really standing up for, for us way before these days. Yeah. You know, like it was, it was, like you said, you know, it was a hard time for people to be out. Mm-hmm especially in Hollywood. Yeah. And he was like, no, 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 I'm coming. Like, as an out person. Yeah. Like, I, I'm entering this business as yeah. an out person. It's so much bravery. Yeah. And, you know, it's great. I mean, you know, thank you. I mean, really, it's about it's about uh, reaching back and, like, looking at where things came from. It doesn't take that much work now. Yeah. No. It used to take a lot of work. No, but you gotta know to be, where to look. You gotta you know, to know where to look. Yeah. And, and, you know, I want to be able to aggregate some of these ideas and some of these concepts and some of these um, identities for people so that we can you know, uh, be a channel and like an inspiration to people who want to dive in and like learn a little bit more about the past. Right, um, right. I mean, one of the challenges we face is, you know, we're not, we're not all blood related. Yeah. Um, thank God. But we're not blood related. <laughs> so there's, so there's a way, there's a way that we have to continue our fabric and, and it's not going to be kind of through family trees and it's not going to be through, um, court records and stuff like that. It's, it's going to be through all of us almost in a, a tribal way going back and telling the tale. Telling right. the tale of the ones that come And this is us. the oral history. Exactly. Perfect. Fast understanding of who Harvey Fierstein is. So. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Harvey, if you're listening, I love you. Yeah, we love you so much, <laughs> Harvey Fierstein. <laughs> 
Uh, thank you so much, Stu. You're, uh, you're so fantastic. Welcome. And we'll yeah. have you back, I'm sure, for a couple of other uh, amazing, influential icons. That I, I know would you... love that. Oh, I know you have plenty to say about that. <laughs> I love so, gay people. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much. And thank have a good you. Day. Bye. Bye.